Have you ever read something that the minute you read it, you knew you would never forget it? That happened to me over 30 years ago when I read uh, something in Christianity Today, and I have never forgotten it. It was uh, actually in the section on the letters to the editor, and it was about an article that had been written a previous edition, the month earlier, which I actually don't remember, but it was something about, quite obviously, some of the uh, latest liberal scholarship that was raising questions about the authenticity of the New Testament and about the, uh, the, the uniqueness of Jesus Christ and his historicity. And the person who wrote in to, the, uh, to CT in, the, in their editorial page was clearly upset with all these so-called findings of these scholars, and he said in the letter to the editor that he was just a simple believer. I don't know any Greek or Hebrew, he said, but I know these people are dead wrong. And it was then that he made the riveting statement I've never forgotten. He said, but I'd rather be a fool on fire than a scholar on ice. I've never forgotten that. I'd rather be a fool on fire for Jesus than a scholar on ice. Now I read that, and I read that even then, I thought, man, that's a really tough choice, isn't it? It's like, you know, do you want to live in Hiroshima in 1945 or take the Titanic's maiden voyage? You choose. It's a really tough choice. Maybe God may just maybe call us to something different, to be scholars on fire. I want to introduce you really to what we call here the, the Asbury experience. Because the statement that dear brother wrote into CT reveals an assumption which is made too often in Christian circles that the idea that devotion to God leads inevitably to a warm heart and an empty head. That somehow we're supposed to like check our brain at the door of devotion. This is an idea which actually permeates, you know, mostly subtly throughout a lot of the Christian movement today. We forget that God is actually called to something greater. And I want to say to you, the new students, uh, brothers and sisters, Welcome to Asbury Theological Seminary, where scholarship is on fire. Where the life of the mind enlarges the heart. Where the, the devoted heart gives us insight into the very mind of Christ. Welcome to Asbury Seminary, where the phrase, where heart and mind, heart and head go hand in hand, isn't just kind of like a, a slogan that we use on our website to attract people but it's actually the description of who we are. And for 93 years, it's been called the Asbury Experience, where John Wesley put it well, where sound learning and vital piety are merged together in a nuptial embrace. That's what we're called to. If someday you earn a privilege, earn the privilege of a degree from Asbury Seminary, and people do actually graduate from here, you will realize that God's called you to be reflective thoughtful Christian, a person that really thinks well and yet has a heart on fire for Jesus and for the kingdom of God breaking into the world. You're not being called to give your devotion to Christ or check your brain at the door or any of those things. You're not even called to keep the two in balance. That was never Wesley's vision. It was about a nuptial marriage where each actually feeds off of and belongs rightly to the other, just as in a marital, marital relationship. In fact, uh, knowing Wesley's life, 
Uh, any man who got up in the morning and read Thomas Akempis's Imitation of Christ in the afternoon was found reading the, New, the Greek New Testament and in the uh, evening was preaching the gospel to, in the brickyards you know, to, the, to the men there. That's my kind of man. That's who I want to be. That's what I want to be. That's who we want you to be. And that's the great thing about the, the gospel. Our text this morning from First Epistle of Peter uh, is a great one on this point because, of course, if there ever was a person who struggled with his head and his heart, it was Peter. And yet Peter gives us this text. And Peter's the one, of course, who said, you know, Lord, all the others will deny you, but not me. Peter's the one that said, you know, well, Lord, you know, uh, if you're going to wash my feet, wash my whole body as well. This is a man who really knew how to lead with his heart. And yet it's here where we learn how Peter had learned to bring his mind to Jesus. It also was caught in the net of Jesus. And we see this integration in his life that he addresses in this text uh, so beautifully. In fact, the fact that Peter is addressing a church that was a, what we call a pre-Christendom church, a church that had not yet enjoyed being the center of culture, not enjoyed kind of the, the basking light of being an accepted group. He's speaking as an outsider, what it means to be a cultural outsider, to be a church that's under persecution, under strain, under difficulty. What better preparation for our situation? I mean, Peter writes to a church that knows they look out and see a world that regards the gospel with hostility, with ignorance, with apathy, and with suspicion. Sound familiar? And so it's in that context that Peter gives us three really good words that I want to share with you uh, this morning. The first, what I call the sanctified heart. Look at verse uh, 15. He said, but in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. All right, Peter is talking about something that's happening in the deepest realm of our being. But we have to get right what, he's actually, what it means here to say, have your heart sanctified. One of the things that really will trouble you, I hope you're in a good way, kind of a disruptive way that God disrupts your lives, when you walk up the steps out here and you see our mission statement, if you went to a hundred seminaries, all of them would say, some version of, we're here to prepare you and theologically educate you. And you'll find that on ours too. We're prepared to theologically educate, but then we, we kind of can't stop ourselves. We keep going on into these very reckless statements like, we're going to sanctify you. We're going to make sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Our creditors are here this week. You know, um, are we going to like, how do you explain that? It's hard to measure that, isn't it? But we, we kind of have this kind of uh, almost uh, abandoned recklessness here that God just might do something a lot more than you thought. And we even find that students, when you come in, maybe you've already taken the test, but they take a test on you, uh, assess your spirituality and how you're doing and all that. We do it again like a, a year and a half from now and again uh, as you leave. And you know what we find out? It, you all, it'll always go down. Please don't panic. It doesn't mean that you actually go down. But what happens is as you grow here, you begin to be more and more aware of how far we have to go, how much unfinished work there is in our lives. It's actually a sign of sanctification. Anyway, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, which, of which Peter's drawing from here, uh, this is the only verse in the Bible that's found in all three strands of the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, the, the, the Pentateuch, 
in Proverbs, the writings, and the prophets in Jeremiah is this verse. You will seek me and you will find me when you search with me with all your heart. Second Chronicles. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Or think about the psalmist. Lord, give me an undivided heart I may praise your name. What a great text. Put on your mirror. So Peter, the sanctified heart is never conceived in purely pietistic, emotive terms. That is not what he's talking about here. For Peter, this is something that is, it's not like a vague belief that, you know, you mumble out when you're pressed. This is about, it's almost like an active verb. It's something that you do. Faith is something you do, not just something you have. It fills the whole of your being. For Peter, it's about rising and walking when he speaks to the lame beggar. It's about things that you do. It's the faith that caused Abram to leave his, his family, leave his father, leave his land, and go to a new place because God had called him. I mean, leaving Ur of the Chaldees and traveling all the way down into this new whole adventure is kind of like coming to Wilmore. Think about it. Would you be here for any other reason than God's call? I mean, if you look at the tourist attraction in America, Wilmore doesn't make the list. You're here because God called you or you wouldn't be here. You left your home. That's actually, that's, a, that's what faith is. Faith is getting in the car and driving to Wilmore. Getting on the plane. Leaving your job. Leaving your family. If we had time for the stories here, these are testimonies of faith. Faith in action. It's faith which caused Rahab to, to think quickly and to hide the spies under the flax that day on the roof. That's faith at work. It was faith in the fingers of those men who clawed their hands through that mud and tile to make a room for their paralytic friend to be let down into the presence of Jesus Christ. It's faith in those fingers. This is the kind of faith Paul, Peter's talking about, the faith that actually creates a whole new understanding of the, our life. It's not just faith, something that we believe in, but something that's changed us, not because of our actions, but ultimately responding to God's decisive action in Jesus Christ who's raised from the dead. That, by the way, is the way that you resolve the tension of Romans 4 and, and James 2 on these, this idea of faith. Because God is always the actor. And we respond to God's action. Second, not only do we have the sanctified heart, but he goes on to talk about the solidified mind. Listen to this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that's within you. Be prepared to give a defense. The, the word there is, the, is apologion, where we get our word uh, apology or apologetics from. Be prepared for an apologetic. Be prepared to actually give a reasonable defense for the hope that's within you. Be able to reflectively think about why you, what you believe and why. Respond intelligently to questions that are posed your way. We live in a world today where we have a long tradition when people come to church and they hear a lot of really bland stuff. I know, not your church. Other churches. You know, you go there and you think, really? This is going to convince the unbelieving world? You see, we've been very lazy intellectually. We have a lot of homework to do. A lot. That's why I love your testimony. God bless you. We need people who are, let's, let's, let's think better about these things. Let's do it. Let's just do it. We can do it. We are going to do it. 
This is what exactly what he's talking about. It is actually Peter, of all people, who says, you know, prepare, verse 13, prepare your mind for action. That's a great text for a seminary. Prepare your mind for action. Be ready to do exactly what God has called you to do. And so we're in a situation today where Asbury Seminary is here to equip and inform you in part to prepare a response that makes sense, is thoughtful, reflective, and a purpose to help come to you to, to do hard work. We've asked you to come here to do some hard work without apology. Now you've heard that this is a voyage, but I want to be honest with you. It's not a cruise ship voyage. It's more like an arduous journey. It's going to be difficult, it's going to be challenging. There'll be times where you know you're going to want to bail out on the whole thing. It's not easy. This is not an easy voyage. We have to kind of get it. It's not, we're not a tourist. We're not a passenger. We're pilgrims. It's, there's some challenging things to this. And there's some climbs to make which are not easy. But boy, is it worth it. I would never, ever, ever go back, turn the clock back, and take away my theological education. It's been one of God's greatest gifts to me. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I'm telling you, it's the gift that keeps on giving your whole life. It'll feed you, inform you. The, the purpose of seminary is not to answer all your questions, but to give you the tools to think about them well. And we actually hope to give you tools to address questions that none of us yet had even thought of, because the culture has not yet asked them of us yet. That's a theological education. That's what Asbury will do for you. This is the place where you'll crawl, crawl, you know, claw your way to the Greek New Testament because there you'll capture a vision of the face of God. There's, this is the place where you will you know, think about some amazing theological problem that you, you don't know how to resolve, and we never fully resolve it. The fact that you think about it, you're actually, uh, the gospel itself has been renewed in your heart. This is the, the, the place where you may preach your very first sermon in the process you realize that God in his amazing grace has called us to be co-participants with him in redeeming the world. Isn't that amazing? He could do it without us, but he won't. He said, no, I'll do it. only do it with you. So roll up your sleeves, let's get to work. It's a lot of, a lot has happened. Election, electing us to go and bring the gospel to the world is a great gift that God has given to us. So here we have that from, from Peter, this, this idea of this amazing, solidified mind. And finally, he calls us to what I call the, the sensitized witness. He says at the end of the whole phrase, uh, but do this with gentleness and respect. He's from a, a, an approach to the world that actually loves them. You know, the world can throw up a defense against any kind of argument. I mean, it's amazing the capacity of the world to persist in unbelief. There's a, there's a limit to what you can do, though it's important to do it, in terms of you know, arguing your way through the 25 reasons why someone should believe in the resurrection of Christ. But there, there's a powerful truth that also comes where God catches you unaware to the sheer power of humility and grace and love. There's no defense on love. Love has a way of penetrating every wall. That's why John Wesley said, the truly sanctified man and woman is the one who's been made perfect in love. Because it's the ultimate testimony to the power of the gospel in our lives. The sensitized witness 
this compelling truth that somehow or another God has got something really powerful to, uh, to do through us that's his beautiful work pouring through our lives. And this generation will not be reached with the old kind of your, your grandparents' approach to ministry because this, the world has dramatically changed. We're in a very different situation. The pastor as comfortable you know, career option is not going to work. If you're here looking for a career, you're in the wrong place. If you're here answering the call of God, you're right where you belong. If you're here to be pre preoccupied with your, you know, your salary and your pension plan and your parsonage, you are not in the right vein of thinking. There's a lot of other ways to go and earn money and do things. But if you're here to respond to a call of God to join him in the redemption of the world, this is a great calling. We now are called to occupy the, the rugged frontiers, not the comfortable couches of our land. We've been called to occupy the prophetic margins, not the cultural center. That's a different kind of calling. It has new challenges for us. Yet these challenges are before us. These are the days of Perpetua from Carthage, who although she was nursing a child, she chose to stand in the arena of the lions and became the, one of the first female martyrs of the faith rather than to give in to the idols of her world. The days of Athanasius, the great Alexandrian bishop with a great mind, who stood even though most of the church had run off into Arianism, you don't know what that is yet, but you will know, run off into Arianism, who stood up and said, and famously he was called Athanasius Contra Mundo, Athanasius Against the World, who's up and said, no, this is not right. We've got to go back to the text again. Some of you will be called to stand up and call the church back to deeper faithfulness that where we have spiritual amnesia. These days of Augustine, where the whole empire was collapsing and the great mighty Roman Empire was being overrun by barbarians. And Augustine very profoundly wrote his City of God, the book that put the whole thing into context and absolutely transformed the church in a whole new way. There are books that need to be written that no one up here can write, only you can write. And you've got to come here prepared to write that book. That's why you're here. These days of Martin Luther, where the church had lost its way, lost its prophetic courage, and he had to wade out against all the current and say, here I stand, I can do no other. We need that today. Some good old Martin Luthers. These days of John Wesley, who preached himself out of every pulpit in England. And it is that context, by the way, which he famously said, well, I guess the world is my parish. You see, he never lost his global vision. This is not about saving a denomination or saving this. It's about being a part of a global movement of God who's unfolding his redemptive work in the world. So welcome to Asbury Theological Seminary where you've been, you're being called and equipped to be more than a fool on fire. You've been called to be a person that's been theologically educated, sanctified, and spirit-filled that you might graduate from this place and go out into a culture and give them heaven. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you for the great joy it is to be a part of your work in the world. I thank you for each of these students. I know we'll pray more later for them, but I want to just even now pray that you would anoint them and bless them for this journey. May they never feel alone. May they feel a sense of the compatriots of those who are with them on the pews today and those of us here in leadership and the professors. Most of all, may, may Jesus Christ, our Lord and the Holy Spirit, be their partners and journey, journey masters in all they do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.